Here we go, and we're live. Like Martin Tyler says, or as they say on the Greek channel, Zondanagelbogisti guy, live and exclusive. It's no Choftes. Wow, this is the first time I've ever done a no Choftes live with you guys. How you lot doing, Rod? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. You enjoying the Euro so far? Yeah, it's been alright. It's, uh, it's just getting. It's always tight the first games, aren't they? Then you get into it. Second game's usually better. And we get into it and we're away. Yeah, that's right. Steve, you good? Evening, Stel. I'm well. Are you? Yeah, mate. I've got a, there's a bloody mosquito flying about in this room. And I'm going to kill it. I've decided I'm going to kill it. Sorry. This is not relevant to anything. I just saw it fly by. I'm like, you fucker. So, yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. You enjoying the Euro so far? Mosquitoes up, up I am. We don't get them up here, do we, Stes? No, not at all. Mosquitoes one of them? No. So what'd you get then? Rats? No, no. flies, daddy long legs. Oh, I don't mind those. I don't mind yeah. those. Spiders, I don't mind. I love spiders. We don't get no cockroaches. You've got a bin problem down there, though, haven't you? So maybe yeah. there's a lot more. I guess so. I guess so. Too many foreigners, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> yeah, so let's, let's talk about this foreign tournament, shall we? Euro 2020, which is being held all over the fucking place. I, I didn't realise how many countries were involved in terms of hosting matches. It's ridiculous. Uh, Russia, uh, um, Azerbaijan, uh, fucking Denmark, and what the fuck is going on, man? Scotland, like, I know, Scotland. Yeah, all over the place. Are they, are, even, are they even hosting in Wales? No. They're not, are? No. That's a shame. That Millennium Stadium, pointless, really. Might as well use it just for rugby. Well, well, yeah, it's rugby. It's filled out when the rugby play. Okay, okay. You have already a, a hello five here. or six times. <laughs> you got a hello here already. Someone, someone, yeah. someone knows you. Who's this? You know this person? Callum. No, you're right, Callum. What's happening? You're a fan already. There you go. Lovely. See? Anyway, let's talk about this tournament then. Shall we start with the opening game? where Italy absolutely battered the Turks. And I don't want to say something too much about the Turks because I live in North London and I'm too scared that someone might knock at my door with a machete. So, uh, Steve, take it away. You're the furthest north, I guess. <laughs> oh, obviously, there was a gulf in, in, in the competition in class um, slightly. We know Italy are a huge footballing nation, but, you know, almost a new look about them as well or, or possibly me as a supporter has took my eye off them, but they were absolutely brilliant, um, heavy in possession, Obviously, they've got a goal scorer in the team with Immobile and um, they look as though they could go really, really deep in the tournament, even though it was just one game against the team they were expected to beat. Well, Italy were excellent. So, when you look at this Italy squad, right, there are no superstars like we saw back in the day, like your Viali's, your Baggio's, etc., etc., Buffon and all that. So... Do you think there's less pressure for Italy to perform in this competition because of the lack of stellar names, because they're not really tournament favourites? So everyone's talking about Belgium at the moment. So, yeah, is there less pressure on Italy to deliver? Well, yeah, but I thought the under Mancini, I think he's evolved as a manager. Obviously, he's won the Premier League with Manchester City, but um, he spread Italy out all over the pitch. They had width, depth, length. Um, but obviously they can all backtrack towards their own goal, defend the half, and they can defend the penalty area with uh, Benucci and Cellini, you know, just like old soldiers, really. But with Insigne in a loose position, full-backs getting forward, Immobile, uh, very, very hard to mark. They still had that, you know, defensive mindset when they needed to, but equally, um, like I said, they were spread out and enjoyed real, real loads of possession and created lots of chances and, I'm looking forward to seeing them again and they can only get better in the tournament, I expect. Well, you'd think that as the tournament progresses that they'll get better and better, but we've seen in the past in different tournaments, even World Cups, that a team will get off to a, a flyer and you think, wow, they, they've got a great chance of winning this, but then all of a sudden, suspensions, injuries, mistakes, and now we've got VAR. You just never know. Okay, fine, they'll probably get out of the group, but to knockout, knockout football is completely different to tournament football, isn't it? It is, but you know they, they look well-handed to get out of the group, that's for sure. So if they do get out of the group, they'll have won games or drawn um, and they'll be well-placed to, you know, to take on the rest of the nations. You know, they, they, they definitely can't be ruled out. They'll be already somebody's favourite 
before the tournament, Stel. But having seen them now, um, they're, they're, they're well capable and well tooled up. All right, Rod. Um, I don't know what we could say about Turkey that we, I guess, another other people haven't said already. Uh, they got spanked in the first game. They say that you can't win the tournament uh, after your first game, but they say you can get knocked out after your first game. Do you think that's it for them already? Or do you think that result is kind of like giving them a kick up the arse to step up against who they got next? You guys? Wales? Wales, Wales yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a massive game. You know? it, it, it's, it, if we win, then we'll probably get into the next round of sneaking it. Uh, and, the, and then, but if they win it, you know, they're in with a shout. So, you know, it's it, it's it's a difficult one for him, but it's a difficult one for Wales as well. But it's one that's probably a 50-50, But you know, Wales have probably got the slight advantage. You know, with the X factor with, with Gareth Bale, with that world class player in, in in the side. So, but with Italy, you know, we we should know from uh, Mancini's days at City. You know, they're going to be very very well drilled. Uh, yes, you say there's no big stars, but they're no mugs. They know. Some most of them play for the top Italian sides or top European sides, so but they're going to be well drilled. Mancini's a very good coach, and you know, you just you could just see it, they just outworked him and they just blew a gasket turkey. And once the first goal went in, that was it, they had no chance of coming back. But you know, but they've got another chance against us on Wednesday, it's a big game for both, both countries. Do you know the one thing I will say about Italy, and I know people are going to slate me for this, but. Going forward, they're very good. Midfield, they can be solid. We saw Jorginho make a few little mistakes, but they weren't punished. Defensively, pretty solid. But Donnarumma in goal, I think he's got mistakes in him. We've seen it over the past couple of seasons at Milan, where he's dropped a couple of clangers. And I think this is his first tournament as number one. So, I don't know. I think when it comes to the latter stages, you know, if Italy gets to a core final, for example, and the pressure is on... We might see a couple of mistakes during. Uh, I, you know, I don't want to be proof correct because he's in my dream team. But <laughs> you, you just never know. But then again, he might keep clean sheets at the end of the campaign and then might end up winning. I'll, I'll shut my mouth. So, you know. Anyway. Right, talk about Wales. Come on. Um, result against Switzerland. Possibly not the one that you wanted, but balance of play. You happy with it? Uh, yes, because, you know, Switzerland... Played very well in the first half. Wales really didn't, didn't get into it. We couldn't really string three passes together. So to go in nil nil was 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 a bonus. You know, they've obviously seen something at half time to to do the, the corner that they did. You know, it's obviously a, a mismatch with with the corner, and they've, they've obviously highlighted it and, and took advantage of it. So it's something to Robert Page have a look at. Do they put someone on the post? I, I probably I probably would do. Or, you know, we've got Tifa Moore there in the space. He's, he's the, probably the best head of the ball. And he, he's marking space. He's not going anyone. So, could he put, put someone there and put whoever was marking the centre-forward, put him in the space? You know, it's something they need to work out. But they're pretty sure they will do. And, you know, like I say, it's it's, it's a big game. And I'm, I'm pretty confident, to be honest, because they, they need to win. There seems to be good atmosphere in the camp. And, and like I say, we've got Gareth Bale and a couple of others that, you know, Daniel James was upset to be coming off, and rightly so. But you want that as a coach. You don't want him to be buzzing coming off, do you? You want him to be unhappy. So that it keeps him fresh for for Wednesday. He didn't play a full ninety minutes, so he'll be raring to go again, hoping that you know to prove that I'm, I don't want to be pulled off and, and, and try and get a goal, so or an assist. So yeah, it's a big game for both countries, but I'm quietly confident. Okay. Well, I'll put this question to both of you then. Um, do you think the absence of their head coach has made much of a difference? And the reason why I ask is that sometimes clubs or nations become galvanised when someone that is meant to be coaching them isn't there. It kind of revs them up a little bit. Say, right, we'll do it for him or we'll do it because this is a major tournament. So has it made a difference, do you think, in terms of their mentality, in terms of their approach to games? I think it's it's been a plus with mostly all the team know the manager through under 21s you know the, the managers brought the young kids through from the under 21s so and Robert Page was the under 21 manager so and then obviously they assisted the coach and then 
it's just run seamlessly. We you, you would think it runs seamless. It looks like it. You know, this used to be a good atmosphere. He's obviously still been in touch with the coach, but probably is he making his own decisions now? Probably he will be doing. It'd be stupid not to. So, but I think you can see they're still playing the same way. But yeah, the atmosphere and the the, the camaraderie in the team's not going to change. Steve, what do you reckon? I think they'll possibly miss Ryan at some point during the tournament because I think he was evolving and I think becoming, you know, a, a really good young young coach. Um, I think they'll miss his presence at times in the changing room where Robert Page, he could have the respect. I'm sure he's got the respect, but but I think Ryan would is the type um, that has earned the right to come in a room and 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 light light a football room up uh, just with what he's achieved in the game. Um, not to say that these international players aren't playing at full tilt and, and are full of pride playing for the country, playing for the families, but um, possibly miss out on a little bit of a bit of stardust, if you like, that I think Ryan will possess because of his career. And during that last 12 months, 18 months of him managing, he was managing the team successfully well. And obviously, during that time, he must have had some really good in-game management, making some crucial decisions. So, you know, it'll be remaining to be seen whether Rob Page can make those same crucial decisions when the game is on a knife edge, when they're chasing the game, when they're holding on to a result. Because I do believe Ryan was building up a bit of international success as well as experience in doing so. So it might not be uh, missed openly and glaringly still, but it might be at that crucial time, which could be decided where, how far they go in the tournament. I think they possibly would miss him, yeah. I agree. And uh, speaking of missing someone, uh, we have to address the elephant in the room being the uh, incident involving Christian Eriksen. Uh, to be honest, lads, I don't know where to begin with this one because the game itself was pretty decent prior to Eriksen falling and obviously what had happened. Um, what can you say? What can you say that hasn't already been said? I mean, I, I tell you what, what I will say firstly is the medical team, the first response, you know, these guys, you know, they talk about strikers and I put this on my, on my LinkedIn earlier, yesterday actually, that strikers create three or four chances or they get three or four chances and if they miss then well, you know, you've got another opportunity to score. But these guys had one chance, one chance, one opportunity to save Christian Eriksen and they did and you know what? They they have got a lot of credit, but I don't think they've had enough credit. If that makes sense, I think you've got Steve. to start. I think you've got to start before that start. I mean, you've got to yeah. look at the referee, look yeah. at the players that, that reacted quickly, and then obviously the medical staff that, that, that you just pointed out. So yeah, it's just one of them freak things that you just you just wish that it would never happen, but they, they obviously do happen with. Fabrice Mamba, you know, Daily Blind. <clears throat> obviously, Fabrice Mamba didn't play again, but obviously, Daily Blind did and, and and played a lot of games the next season. Obviously, a bit emotional in, in, in this tournament, and rightly so, you would be. But um, yeah, it's just one of the things. Remember, you've got to ask yourself, are these players being overworked? But then you see where he's at. They're very methodical in the fitness and the medical stuff and, and the background and the coaching, what I'm aware of. So, you know, it's just one of them freak things. The heat as well wouldn't have helped. So, yeah, it's just one of them things. You just got to see what the doctors come with and see what it ends, what the end out end outcome is. Well, they were saying that they actually lost him, didn't they? For a moment, they actually lost him. Yeah, they, they, then... um, they but they spat. They, they they got the fibrillator on him, and he come up back straight away. I was yeah. listening to David Janola. Uh, speaking today, and they, they actually did him five times before he woke up. Now, you're only supposed to do it three, and then you've got to get permission, in which they got permission, and they did the fourth and the fifth, and he woke up. But yeah, Krishna woke up on the first. This is why it's key to have these defibrillators. No, I've played with a lad that his brother died because they didn't have a fibrillator to, to resuscitate him. So, you know, he's been on Sky Sports News in the last couple of days, and BBC asked him all in. So, it's um, it's something that, that needs to be looked at. It should be at every single ground. You know, these these things aren't expensive, but they save lives. So they need to be. They they actually they've got the information as you open the the case. Out, it tells you, runs you through how to use it. So you know, it's very easy to use. So these these machines need to be at every single, you know, even at grassroots level. 
I agree. And Steve, it was a, a very difficult moment for obviously the Danish national team. The, the players, I mean, Simon Kier, the defender, was absolutely phenomenal. You know, he got the troops, rallied the troops, made a circle round. Um, you know, the, the medical staff and Ericsson, so that obviously the the they wouldn't be able to broadcast it. But the first thing I want to ask you is, what the hell were the broadcasting team thinking of broadcasting it? And secondly. You know, again, Simon Kerr, well done for, for what he did. Yeah, obviously that was showed great leadership. I don't know if he did it on his own or with, you know, with Casper or a few of the others, but or if it just happened organically. But obviously they created a, a shield of protection uh, to stop the cameras um, intruding any more than they should. Um, and maybe put this back to you, Stella. I mean, what would you suppose the cameraman you know, should do? It's, you know, we're, we're all interested in, in, in this in this you know, iconic uh, shock that we had to witness, but we're all interested. We all wanted to see, albeit that it was gory, it was, uh, it made our blood run cold. You know, did we want the camera to go elsewhere and, and you know, fear of, of intrusion ourselves? Or it it we should have, to... Steve. I think they shouldn't gone back to the studio, I think. Back to the studio yeah, or, or, show, or show highlights of, a, of a, the yesterday's game or, the, or, or just other things because there's so much content out there. I and mean, BBC, I mean, obviously, the, the the footage wasn't from the BBC. It was a, a, a different company that's been broadcasted. It's broadcast to every television yeah. channel. So it's not as if it's the BBC's fault. What I would but, say, though, it's not been replayed much or at all since. It's been spoken about with compassion. Uh, but the actual incident where Ericsson comes out the side of the penalty area, collects a throwing heads it and then flops to the floor. You know, we all saw it. But thankfully, I, I can honestly say I've only seen it once. So, so you know, in fairness, it's not, uh, you know, with total respect to the family, it's not been constantly shown. Um, I'm sure it's there if, if you if you want to look for it. But uh, I don't suppose too many of us do because we're, We've got so much compassion for the player and his and his family and and the and the Denmark nation. Um, but I th you know, I thought the team did excellently well to hold their nerve, like I say, protect um, any further intrusion and support their their teammate in his uh, in his minute of in, in his minute of need for sure. Mm. Well, fortunately, he's back on the mend. I think they put out a statement today, and he was seen standing by the window of the, the hospital, giving the thumbs up. So. All is well so far, which is, which is great. Um, as for the game, obviously it petered out. You know, they decided to suspend it and then they resumed it. Peter Schmeichel today said apparently UEFA threatened Denmark with a 3-0 loss if they didn't if they didn't continue. I don't know how true that is. Um, but be that as it may, I don't think Den the Danish players were in any state to continue whether or not they, they knew about Ericsson's health, you know. And for them to be expected to replay it, that, again, that would have been silly. So, I don't know how they would have attacked it any other way. I was expecting a wave. Um, I know not everybody's in the stadium, but I do think very rarely do you get a football match where the, the whole nation, apart from the opposition, are, are, are behind one team. It was a bit like, um, you know, a Rocky film where, you know, you just, you just want one winner. Um, and I, I just saw it like you know. I just yeah. thought every football fan, every single member of the football family wants Denmark to win this football match. And I just wondered if momentum, luck, football gods would just go with them. And actually, it ended up just going against them because of the result and the missed penalty. So it was a, a day that we'll always remember. We will always remember, but obviously for them that they would like to forget, but it'll be impossible to. Yeah, and Rod, as for the penalty that Steve mentioned, I think, well, I thought it was a bit soft, but Heiberg stepped up to take it. Ericsson obviously would have taken it had he been able to do so. But again, was that miss down to pressure? Was that down to, you know, what had happened, what he'd seen, or was it just a shit penalty and you should have known better? Um, I think all of the above. You know, it's probably Edward scrambled. It was a poor penalty. You know, it was one of them. If you keep your eyes the right way, you're just just gonna catch it very easily. So, yeah, it was. Uh, and you've got to think what mental state was he at? You know, obviously, if you believe in the reports that they were threatened to go out there or, or they would lose the point. So, um, yeah, it was a poor penalty, and you can't you can't understand what what 
mindset he was in on the penalty. But you would think, you know, he's a professional that he would be solely thinking about a penalty and not thinking about. But you just don't know. You just never, you've never even witnessed that or never experienced that. So even though you're a professional, how can you, you know, it's just it's unheard of. So it's a difficult one. But you know, it was a poor penalty. And what about the goal then? Do you think Schmeichel should have done better again? Do you think perhaps what happened put him off? Because that's a rare mistake from him. Like I say, again, you just don't know what kind of mindset he's in. You know, he's been through a lot as a, as a young lad, you know, that witnessing what he's witnessed with, with the, the owner when he died and the, the crash because he was still in the ground. So he would have seen some of the aftermath and, and the, literally the helicopter burning. So he's been through a lot as a young kid. And then to see that as well, you know, it's a lot of trauma to, to go through. And as a keeper, you've got to be really concentrated. Any little mistake, and it's a goal. So you can understand that, that mistake with him because you just don't know what kind of mindset is it. Was he still thinking about his mates? Is it football? His mates might have died. So you just don't know. But it was a poor, you know, usually save that. Yeah. Fair point. All right, on to the next game. I don't think there's really much to talk about here, Steve. <laughs> Belgium absolutely destroyed Russia 3-0. Lukaku with a brace. Um, and Mounier scoring in, in a goal sandwich in between. I could ask you if Belgium are favourites. I could ask you if Lukaku's going to get the golden boot. But they did this all without Kevin De Bruyne, who I spent £63 million on my... Uh, Team. Thanks for reminding me the other day. That, <laughs> remember that? If you remember lightly, I bidded you up for that, and you stepped into it. I know, I know, I, I know. You, mate. I was bidding Steve on you. Jumped in. That's not my, you know. Hey, I'm, 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 I'm confident he's gonna, he's gonna make it either the next game or the game after. He's gonna get me some okay. points a bit. You know, I'm, I'm confident. City boys, they're like fairies, little. But, but I, I you're starting something now. You're starting something now. So, guys, Steve, Belgium, um, solid performance, solid display. Didn't expect anything else from them, really. Exactly that. You've just said that last sentence there. They were super impressive for everything we expected uh, power, pace, quality, control, uh, all without De Bruyne and Hazard, um, you know, clean sheet, Lukaku, hungry, in form, off the mark. Um, yeah, you know, they're the, uh, also other people's pre-tournament favourites. And, it, you know, I can't believe they'd be not in anybody's top three before the tournament. Um, they play a wonderful style of football. Uh, they're a good age. Um, yeah, ev everything that's on the tin uh, we saw. And, uh, yeah, they equally worryingly for everyone else, they can, only, they can only get better, especially when more so De Bruyne than Hazard comes back into the team. You know, on the um, on the commentary on the game, Patrick Vieira made a, a good point. But I just and saying that they weren't really tested by Russia. Will we'll better teams test them defensively because they're not, you know, very very strong defensively. But you know, if I built this Belgian team is going to be like a, a basketball side. If you score three, I'll score four. And that got that much quality. In it. Yeah, fair. They do. The only thing is Castagna's gone home with an injury, I think. I think he's done for the tournament. But then again, they got Vertonghen there. They got, you know, Vermaelen, who's still playing. I don't know. Where, where is he now? Is he in Japan? No, they or? are solid defenders uh, still, but they're not, you know, they're not world-class defenders. No, I agree. Same with I England. Agree. Same with, you know, some other countries. They're, they're solid defenders. They're not world-class defenders. They're not like a legit and Van Dijk if they're together, fit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, what, what I will ask then is how many nations in this tournament have got world-class defenders? Well, not not many. You'd say, you know, Portugal got very good defenders. Uh, Italy, you know, even yeah. though they're getting on a bit, very, very experienced, not going to get much out of them. So you've got them. You're not just it's not not many, not many good solid central defenders pairings about anymore. They're all got you no know, central defending, playing defending, play out and play football. But you know they can defend all right too. That's right. Right. Let's talk about Group C then. Uh, it looks like this is the group where all the goals are going to be, or most of the goals are going to be anyway, because we saw Austria beat Macedonia 3-1, North Macedonia, should I say. I'm not going to call them Macedonia, because I'll get lynched if I ever go to Greece for saying that. And um, the, the Netherlands beating Ukraine 3-2 after being 
2-0 up, being pulled back to 2-2, and then scoring right at the death. Now, Steve, if you're Frank De Boer, a head coach who did well at Ajax, winning two Eredivisies, he went to Inter, he failed, he went to Crystal Palace, he failed, he even went to MLS with Atlanta, failed. And then he's got this job as head coach. No one's giving him a hope in hell. They say they don't score goals. They say that they leak goals, which obviously we, we saw the other night. But aside from blowing a two-goal lead, I'm pretty sure he'll be relieved more than happy after, for winning that game, right? Yes. Uh, and ho only he will know, not the substitutions that he made, with Nathan Aki being one, who I've seen at Manchester City all year. And it's not an insult, but I can only describe him really as passive. Um, doesn't really engage, doesn't really, you know, use his body weight, put himself about. Now, obviously, I'll jump ahead here. It was an unbelievable cross he put in for their rescued winner. But they look like the right substitutions for Holland, but about 22 minutes, 25 minutes too early. Um, it seemed like it was needless. It seemed like, not knee-jerk, there was no panic. He just felt like he was mega comfortable to make two changes. You, by doing that, you're disrupting uh, what you've trained for all week, what you've selected, your first team talk in the dressing room, and of course, all your set plays. Normally, you do that when the clock's ticking. It, there didn't seem any need for the set plays, and if anything, it only benefited Russia at this point, who kicked in and recognised the weakness of Ake and exposed it. Uh, and also, Holland, uh, from the set plays, um, if the game would have gone another five minutes, they would have conceded another. So I expect them to concede goals in the tournament. I expect them to concede from set plays. But they managed to rescue it with a great cross from, from Ake and obviously, you know, a great header for the winner. I thought Wijnaldum, obviously ex-Liverpool, um, I thought he was a real leader in their, in their phew, what, how would I describe them? Fragile but quite exciting team. And I agreed with all the pundits on the TV that they will be quite good to watch, but they can't possibly progress in this tournament. Well, this is it. He kind of did everything, didn't he? You know, he was box to box. He was yeah. tackling. He was getting forward. We didn't really see that too often at Liverpool because obviously his role was completely yeah. different. But it just seems to me that without Vinaldum in that in that lineup, they can they they'll struggle. <laughs> they yeah. will struggle. Yeah, but but equally with him in it, um, he, he might be able to to drive the team. You would expect Memphis Depay to win a game possibly for them in this tournament, certainly score a goal, uh, and that might be from a, a free kick. So there's a bit to come from Holland, but I also think they are wide open and loose and fragile enough for a bit similar to what Rodri said before, only the opposite way. Whatever Holland do in future games, I've got a feeling the opposition can do a bit more. Rod, do you think Ukraine... I've got what it takes to get out of that group. When you look at, you know, Austria, who are a little bit hot and cold, and North Macedonia, who, let's be honest, they're, they're here, but they're here. That, that's pretty much it. So, do you think Ukraine have what it takes to come out of that group? Um, it depends if they, if they win a game. You know, you can, you can win a game now and sneak through. I still think, you know, you always get a... Uh, a dark horse or a team that, that, that doesn't do well and Austria might by that, be that team so you know they've got a good win against North Macedonia and um, yeah but you, to answer your question no I don't it'd be a good game it'd be a big game for against against um, Austria Austria you know whoever, whoever wins that obviously going to get second in the group so you know It'd be a big game, but mm. to answer your question again, I don't, I don't think it depends how many teams get. You know, because if if Wales win their game and they they come second in their group, they'll become fourth. So and you switch them, it's, it's, it's difficult to say how many how many teams can can go through if they finish third. Do you know? Pass, pass. I think I don't it's know. only I think it's only three or four. How many? Yeah. Is it how many groups are there? Eight. A, B, C, D, E, and F. I think six, isn't it? Isn't it six groups? Okay, so six groups. I don't well, know. I think, I maybe I'm missing something. There. I think it's three out of six. Like that, okay, that can't be that leaving odd number, would not it? 
Yeah, I guess so. Ah, uh, don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll find out sooner or later. Um, but you know, I, I think Ukraine can get out of this group. All right, fair enough. Defensively, the goalkeeper shot them in the foot with his mistakes. He should have done a better with the winner. The, the first goal, I don't know what he was doing, palming it all the way out to Vinaldo. I don't know what he was doing. But, you know, if he can shake that off and the defence is a little bit more stable, I, th I think they can get out of that group and, and surprise a couple of people. Just a couple. <laughs> um, next oh, bloody old, next next group. Which group is it? Shall we go? Let's go to the England group. Come on. Let's go to England. England beat Croatia 1-0. Scotland lost today 2-0 to the Czech Republic. A fantastic goal from Schick from halfway line, near enough, and the bend on that was fantastic. But Steve, a lot of talk prior to the game was the leaked lineup, where they saw Calvin Phillips and Declan Rice in the middle with Kieran Trippier at left back. And Raheem Sterling, who was criticised left, right, and centre for not ever scoring in a tournament for England, gets in the starting lineup, scores the winner. Poetic. Brilliant. brilliant. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Um, the manager's come out. It's not like we need to have an opinion on it, really. Uh, what we think the manager has said, his data uh, 13 in 17 for Gareth Southgate in England for Raheem Sterling is worth its place. He ignored the fact that he's been inconsistent for Manchester City and Pep Guardiola has chosen different things uh, opposing him uh, in the last six months of last season. And he judged it on, obviously, what he sees in training at St George's Park. And, you know, we were all clamouring for Grealish. I think less so, but some were clamouring for Rashford. But the manager went with uh, what he believes is his uh, tried and trusted man. And let's not forget, he's captained England in the last 12 months. His performances and goals and assists for him have been great. So when you, when you look back, now we've won the game. Well done all round. It was a good choice, uh, vindicated and justified. There you go. And Rod, anything positive to say about England? Calvin Phillips? No, Harry Kane. No, just Deco. Stairs says really. No, no one really would have picked that side. But you know, no one. Not everyone's seen these plays every day. You know, like Gareth Southgate said, Sterling's never let him down as a player. So wh why would he not pick him? So you've got, you've got, you know, that's got to give you good belief as as a player, a good, good confidence as a player as well. You know, if you've seen where he grew up, you could throw a stone to his house from where Wembley is. So yeah, it was, it was a it was a good one nil as well. It's always a good scoring. You know, we used to talk about me instead. Will Mills a great score. You've got one goal, he's been tight, you've, you've kept it tight, you've, you've got a good result. It's always a difficult to get the first, first game as well because historically they've never really done well. And you know, with Scotland with a, with a bad result today, you know, it, it just it just opens it up and there's a big game from Friday now because Scotland really need to win that. That's right. And Steve, you know, Rod spoke about Scotland just then, you know, and for them to concede a goal just before half time. And then to concede a second at the beginning of the second half, that's uh, schoolboy stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah. Uh, and he's getting a hell of a lot of respect, Andy Robertson, for the way he's uh, embracing the captaincy of Scotland. But his chance, um, he's getting a lot of credibility for how he crosses the ball. But he got a ball played into his path. It was brilliant that he was up there in the first place. But for me, that was a key moment in the game where everybody was just willing him just to, even the commentator said it exactly the same, um, head down and strike with your laces and hit the back of the ball. Uh, and it should just, should really, for him at that level, fly towards the far post. But he, hesita he hesitated and he ended up taking the shot side foot with pace. just like it, it was just like the same technique as a cross that you put in from the side of the pitch into the box. And then the game, from for me, changed from that moment. The header came and then, obviously, it will be classed as one of the best European Championship goals that you'll ever see in terms of opportunist uh, with that left foot uh, to score from 49.7 yards. So uh, the game just, 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 just slipped away from Scotland at that point and they couldn't even call upon the crowd uh, to help them because there was only 12,000 and they were all stunned. So, what are we looking at on Friday? Then? Are we looking at a Scottish team that's going to be going in head first with this one with nothing yeah. to lose? Or 
Are we looking at a Scottish team that's bereft of confidence, devoid of ideas and no? No. No. Well, Rodri, Rodri um, I don't know if he'll have the same angle as me, but, you know, every boy's dream, and obviously I'm not Scottish, but it's to play football professionally, play for your country and play for England. Um, uh, uh, sorry, play against England, either at Hampden Park or Wembley. So they have an opportunity to do that. There is absolutely no way on earth any Scotland footballer will go into that with any type of a reserved mentality where they will look to contain England and look to play themselves in the game. The game will fly past in a, in a, in a heartbeat. I expect Scotland to do exactly what you said as the first choice still, which would be, I'm playing against England. I possibly will never do this again in my career. I'm playing at Wembley in the Euros. I'm going to make a name for myself. I'm going to rip right into these and do my best. I don't expect Scotland to. I don't expect Scotland to win, but I don't expect them to have any type of fear or caution or lack of confidence. Scott and Rod, we've hardly seen VAR being used. We've seen a couple of incidents, but are we going to see quite a lot of VAR used <laughs> against Scotland? I get the feeling, you know, Phillips against uh, McTominay will be quite tasty. Uh, no, it's going to be difficult for him, but you've know, got to go look back at the 96. If it wasn't for a Dave Seaman penalty save and a brilliant goal by Paul Gascoigne, you know, Scotland could have won that game. And if you look at that team, players play, it was like night and day. So, you know, Scotland have got some decent players now with a year on experience, McGinn, you know, McTominay's a big game player. We've seen that with Man United when he played against Barcelona in the final. So he can play the bit in the big games. And like I say, they've got some decent players. Robertson's dangerous, but, you know, they have to keep it tight and, and make it scruffy and make it, you know, an hanging game because, you know, they can't match them toe for toe with England. But, you know, like I say, you just got to go back to that 1996 game at Wembley. You know, all right, there was probably 30,000 jocks there that night, but uh, that day, but, you know, there won't be that on Friday, but there'll still be, have some voice there, there'll still be some Scottish fans, I can guarantee you that, and you'll definitely hear them. So they'll need them, but it'd be difficult. But, you know, they have to keep it tight. If they can score early on, then it could be a route. Yep, and Peter's come up really good one. Uh, as a Villa fan, it'll be great to see Grealish come in against his best mate, John McGinn. Now, here's a question to you guys. Um, I saw will someone... He even play, will, he play, will he even play? He might, he might mix up. I don't know. He might, you know, will Maguire come back in? Will Shaw or Chilwell play? Will he keep the same in the field? Will he keep the same free? You know, why would you, why would you change a winning side? But... You know, he's obviously picking a team to, to to win for that game, which is, you know. Rodri, I watched uh, Scotland today and I'm all for tournament rhythm and momentum. And if you're a player, you want to grow into the tournament and get picked again. And I know Sterling and Foden have got really good, really good pace. But I would be really disappointed if we don't expose Hanley of Scotland and also O'Donnell at fullback, who O'Donnell looked a nervous wreck. Hanley's a, a big truck, really, who's really, really committed. Um, but if we can't get around him, and I'm not convinced that Harry Kane, the brilliant player that he is, he's actually going to outrun him or outstrip him, outpace him into the <coughs> channel. But I'd like to think we could get some football of Grealish or some pace of Rashford or even Sterling through the middle against Hanley and running back towards his own penalty area. It'll be kryptonite. Well, this is where I think, you know, uh, we all think we're saying, you know, you don't change a winning team. But, you know, we haven't been in, in or experienced that the tournaments that Gareth Southgate's experienced. We've well, won seven or eight tournaments. So he could probably change it four or five players and probably change yeah. it right up and still be the same quality, but have fresh players. So he could easily do that. You know, Grealish in, Rashford in, yeah, and change the, the, the four or five players. So Maguire in, Shaw in, there's four players. So he could easily do that. Yeah, I think we can do damage to Hanley and O'Donnell from what I saw today. With, uh, with I think we could do damage to a lot of international teams. But I'd like to see them running back towards their own penalty area and picking those players that do that best uh, would be would 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 be Grealish and Sterling through the middle for me or Rashford. I agree with you, except the we. 
<laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. Well, I forgot to ask you guys um, I saw someone on Twitter yesterday, uh, half time saying, take off Sterling and bring on Grealish, and that would be a problem solved. And then, lo and behold, Ra
they only looked like they could score from across. There was no invasion into the middle of the penalty area. There was no dribbling. There was no real shots from distance. Everything was down the side of the 18-yard box and crossed and Sweden had bodies back. So it seemed pretty one-dimensional, even though it was with an attacking wave. Now, I don't mean to be that person that absolutely lays into Morata because I kind of like him. But you're gonna... I kind of like him. I don't think he's a great player, but I kind of like him. But the thing is, I don't know, when, when you're bringing on, you know, the, Spain's leading goal scorer in terms of a domestic, uh, in terms of a domestic conversation, you're bringing him on with 15 minutes to go, 10 minutes to go for Morata. There's got to be something wrong there. I, I, I can't see why he'd wait so long to bring on a striker that's in form. Surely you want to play your in form players. I mean, if Harry Kane had only scored five goals this season, would he have been number one striker for England? Possibly. Yeah? Possibly, yeah. A bit like Shearer going into the Euros, having not scored for England for two years still. He was still the best player for Terry Venables. Oh, but he was scoring for Blackburn for fun. Yes, he was. Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, yeah. if if, uh, if Harry Kane scored five or six league goals this season, I don't know if he would have been considered as England's number one striker because, no. you know, uh, Cavalier had scored sixteen. Just saying. Yeah, you make a fair point. I should, I'd like to mention as well that <laughs> he hasn't even tweaked yet. <laughs> Fernando Torres was moved from the right wing to send to centre forward for five minutes as well before he was replaced. Mm. So he's probably thinking um he'll, he'll be glad that he started, but he'll be thinking, I wouldn't have minded a little bit more than five minutes at centre forward to get a goal. So he'll feel a bit shortchanged by the centre forward opportunity as well. Yeah. Thiago on the bench. Well, another, Thiago, another... Thiago was brilliant when he came on at doing what he does, which was float it and ping it out wide to the right wing. He did it seven times mm. and then the right right back or right winger would cross it into the box. But it was very, very predictable and, and Sweden just got themselves set up in the box and just edited the ball out every single time. So whilst Thiago looked great with the pass and the cross came in, it was like, yeah, next. Sweden had it all. I wouldn't say with, with, with like suit and slippers on, but they were comfortable enough. There was one chance for Spain where they've edited it and the goalie saved it in the 90th minute, but... Spain haven't got a different enough attacking lanes. Um, it was just all being done from across. That's how I saw it anyway. Okay. Right, final game. Poland 1, Slovakia 2. And I've got my Slovakian flag up here because my mate plays for him. Mm. And I'm, I'm absolutely buzzing because this is a nation that no one really gives a chance to win anything. But they played against Poland with the famous Lewandowski... Yeah. You know, the guy that scored 40-odd goals this season with Krikowiak in the middle, with Klik in the team, with Zielinski and Bednarek of Southampton. And lo and behold, they, they got a 2-1 victory. OK, Poland had 10 men. OK, you know, you can't expect Lewandowski, Lewandowski to replicate his form for the national team, the same as Bayern Munich. But this is a very famous victory for Slovakia. And I think it's even better knowing that, um, you know, the, 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 the guy that scored the winner, uh, Skriniar, is a central defender for Inter Milan, teammate of um, Christian Eriksen's. Well, that's nice. Uh, I'm very fitting, and I'm sure, like Lukaku, he will have tributed and his goal to him. I'd just like to get my gripe out of the way, Stell, if you don't mind. Go, on. Go ahead. Uh, I worked with Robert Mack um, when he was 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18 at Manchester City. He came over as a 14 year old boy. Uh, in Diggs, his mother and father came over a year later, which which helped. And he played in the Youth Cup final win in 2008. So to see him playing international football now, now he's 30. And, and for me, scoring in the Euros, a wonder goal from the wing, which is checking three players out, a nutmeg, and then a shot at the near post. How that can be described as an own goal by the keeper, I do not know. The ladder's absolutely bent spoons to get from the touchline to anywhere near the penalty box and for him to shoot on sight, hit the inside of the post and it come back in at the goalie on the wrist. Nobody wants to see that goal as goal as a goalie's own goal. And I'm going to admit to bias, but neither do I. I want to see Robert Mack uh, registered with that goal tomorrow because he played with his at Manchester City and he's a great lad. Make the fullback as well, mate. 
Oh, Meg did, Meg yeah. Twisted <laughs> two or three of them up on the touchline. A little nutmeg to take him to the penalty area and a shot. You, you, you wait all your life for that moment. Rodri's been in that position. You know, you, you, you might get one chance in the match. You might get one chance in the tournament. That, that for me, is a striker's goal. How can that be a goalkeeper's own goal? Never in your life. Never, ever in your life. Mm. Rod, what did you make of that one? Own goal? Which win? Which one? Slovakia's first. Uh, no, not an envelope. Okay, well, put it this way the, the doubt was done. Well, should I say the, the, the doubt you can't really doubt the second goal who it belongs to because Skriniar's finished for a central defender <laughs> on the half volley. Fucking <laughs> brilliant! Brilliant, yeah, and they deserved it. It took the game to them. We, you know, they had the opportunity to go for it because, um, obviously, Poland went to 10 men. But credit, you don't plan, you don't really. God, 10 minutes in training, maybe just uh, overloading a session just in case it happens. But you very rarely train for that 11 v 10 experience. So credit to Slovakia. They took the game from, they all speeded up. The manager made changes from the side and they scored from a set play. Job done for Slovakia, dead pleased. It's always difficult as well, you know, when they've gone one a lot, Poland get one, they're on the ascendance. So, yeah, they're about 10 men, but. Like Stez said, it's difficult to play against 10 men and to get the goal and a good result for them because Poland, you know, they're always, they're always there and thereabouts in the tor- tournament teams. They always seem to return, always be at tournaments. So it's a, it's a good scout for Slovakia. It's always good to get a good win as well for your first game. Yep. And I'm sure they're going to the next game high in confidence. So, um, who's, 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 who's the two in their group? Spain and Sweden. All right, so they're probably through then, aren't they? They're probably, they'll get a good result against Sweden. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. You never know. You never know. But for them to, to get a victory in, in this tournament is, is fantastic. So, yeah, and obviously... To... Probably, is Sweden better than Poland? I wouldn't say. I don't know. Um, don't know. Uh, maybe. Maybe just a bit. Maybe defensively, yes. No, when you've got when you've got a, a guy up front that scores 50 goals, they've got to be better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair. Uh... Yeah. Or you mean Poland are better than Sweden? Well, you got yeah. a guy playing for scores. Yeah, you you think, yeah, 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 yeah. You think, but he doesn't seem to do it at international level in no, in the no, major no, competitions. But, you know, but if you get if you know in the last we've just been talking there, Sweden, if Robin Nelson gets that chance, it's one 0 Poland. Yeah, he's in the four four. He's in the four yards. He's in the six yard box. Mm. Yeah, this one there. That's good, the difference. Good, good comms, Rodri. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, wonderful. All right, well, there's a few more games left for the first round, I guess, of, of matches. And, um, yeah, tasty ones as well. What do you reckon, Rod, tomorrow? Um, who is it tomorrow? France and Germany at night. Portugal. Oh, oh Portugal. Portugal, Hungary. Portugal, Hungary. Portugal, e- tough for first half, but I think they'll go out easy winners second half. Germany. France, oh, I, I really, really fancy France, but you can never really, you can never really go against Germany. But no, I'm going to go fancy France. Let oh, probably a oh, two one, two one France. Steve, draw uh, Portugal to beat Hungary, and France and Germany to draw. Okay, Steve, okay. sit on the fence. Uh... <laughs> uh, just two, just two class teams and. Everybody, no, you're, you're probably, probably right. They're probably cancelling each other out, just happy to get a point and go for the next round. Yeah, that one. Every, it's never been said more often than, than I've noticed in this tournament. Everyone's really putting emphasis on, of course, we want to win, but try not to just make sure you get something from your first game. Um, make sure you don't lose it. I think, there'll be, I think there'll be so many amazing players on that pitch, France and Germany, but I think there'll be a hell of a lot of caution. Yeah, I think you... you, you you just expect a world class moment from a world class one of the world class players that are on show. Yeah, but the thing is, do, do, do you think Giroud's comments and Mbappe's retaliation is going to, I don't know, harm France a little bit? Do you know what happened between the two? Have you guys heard? Uh, they've spoke out about something, haven't they? No, no, you go on, you better tell us, though. Yeah, so basically, um, Giroud came on in a friendly when they beat yeah. Bulgaria 3 0. It was their final game before the tournament. And um, I think he scored twice. And afterwards, he was saying something along the lines of, you know, I make runs into the box, but the balls aren't being played there. And, you know, it, it was a little bit critical of France overall. And Mbappe came out and he basically said, I'm, I'm sick and tired of this. Like, you know, we, this isn't the right time for any players to be 
speaking out, um, especially in public. So there's already this little rift, which we we saw back in the day. You know, I think it was under who's the previous coach? Was it? It wasn't Emi Jacke, was it? It was the other one afterwards when the play, players went on strike. Do you remember when Patrice Evra was? Yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. I think so he, he's right in what he's saying, but you know he should have kept it in house and just said to the room instead of coming out and saying it because you know two wrongs don't make a right. But if Bappy's right in what he's saying, he should have kept it, you know, in house and kept his mouth shut just before a tournament. You don't need that kind of crap. So yeah, but you know, and he's done the same by coming out and saying what he said. He should have mm. told him in a change room, keep your fucking mouth shut. Well, Giroud has scored 46 goals for the national team, right? And he's only five behind Thierry Henry, who's the leading goal scorer in France's history. Now, well, I understand that, but you don't, you, you know, it's, it's just before a tournament. You don't come out, it's, you don't want negativity in the camp, and that is negative. You don't want any of that crap. You want all be positive, everyone on the same boat, everyone going in the same direction, not someone criticising, oh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that. If you want to say that, all right, say it to the coach, say it to the players. Don't come out and whinge about it to a reporter and just cause uproar for no reason when you're one of the, you know, tournament favourites. You just don't need it, that kind of crap. When it comes to the, the, the you know, semi-final, final, if you're not all on the same page and you're all fighting for each other, then you're not going to win anything. Mm. Well, the thing is, Mbappe didn't, didn't object to what Giroud said is... Him saying it in public is what bothered him. Yeah, that's yeah. and that's yeah, why he came out to say what he did. But yeah, and with an experienced player like Giroud, he, he should know better. Mm. He's just French, just, just, just yeah, it's French. That's how they're wired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> say it, say it. Some of them don't give a crap, do they? First of all, yeah. All right, Steve, if you look at Giroud, as I mentioned, he's five goals behind Thierry Henry as the all-time goal scorer for French national team. You've got someone like Karim Benzema that's been out of the, the equation for many years now because of an alleged blackmailing incident with a former teammate in Valbuena. And now he's been recalled to the French national team, as I said, after many years. How do you think Giroud is feeling right now where he's got Mbappe ahead of him? He's got you know all these other players he's been trying to fight to get you know Griezmann etc etc and now Benzema's in the squad then he can you imagine what he's going through all these frustrations um yeah I mean you can imagine there'll be a bit of ego here and pride everybody wants to play um but the game has changed so much Stella and I'm not suggesting it's a young man's game completely uh but all this pressing from the front now um and all these dynamic runs that these strikers make we know that Giroud is amazing at holding the ball up and bringing teammates into play. And we know that he's amazing attacking from cross, attacking the ball from crosses. But that might not be Francis, certainly not Chelsea's choice way of starting a game. And unfortunately, well, well, giving some gratitude, he is a world-class player and he will be to the day he retires. But his, his um, output is probably a plan B. Um, and albeit that it's for the Champions League winners, the World Cup winners, and maybe the European you know, Championship winners, maybe. Uh, he's earned his right to be amongst the elite of football. He's, he's, that, he's that good. But the truth is, in the way teams are set up these days, he's a, he's, he's a plan B, because younger, quicker men occupy the, the wide positions and, and attack the goal. And actually, in his position as a centre-forward, the, the, the big bruising type, um, the bulky type, tend to come off the bench and that's what he is. He'll have to just swallow it. Lovely. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, it must that's be, it. Must it. Be, it must be hard to take though, when, he, when he played almost every game and he won the World Cup. But like Stez says, you know, that was, what, five, six years ago? Games moved on a lot. Totally. What, was what was five years ago? When, when the France won the World Cup. Two years ago, man. 2018, three years ago. 2018, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Time flies when you're having fun, man. He must find it tough, though, because, you know, he did he did really well. Even, even though he didn't score many goals, I didn't think he, he, think he scored one. Yeah. But, you know, they won the World Cup with him playing every, almost every game. So Precisely. It, brings, it does bring a lot of the players into it and gets the players around him a lot of goals. So I, I remember the first game was against Australia and they were absolutely piss poor. And then Deshaun put in Giroud, changed the system around, and then went one the fucking thing. So, 
he's, yeah. he, he's, he's a good option to have, isn't he? Absolutely. Of course. If you want to talk about one-touch finisher, he's the best in the world. Almost oh. every goal he scores is with his first touch. Mm. Yeah, that, that's when you. That's where you, you, you you're navigating towards the box with like, you know, no build-up play and just getting it in the box. And that isn't how teams want to set up these days for the first seventy minutes of games. And if you want to chase the result, he's he's, he's your man for exactly what you're saying. But the first seventy minutes are trying to be uh, a bit more ticker-tacker and a little bit more dynamic, which unfortunately not got the athletic profile for, despite being an elite an elite athlete. For what he does, but for what a football match starts with these days, you can see where managers go against it. Mm, absolutely. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. This was fun, and uh, hopefully, we can do this in a couple of days. What do you reckon? Do another one? After Michael Wales win. Huh? After Michael Wales win. When are they playing? Friday? Wednesday. When, when's, that's in a couple of days' time. All right. No worries. We'll work something out. We'll work something out. All right, gentlemen, and everyone watching, thank you very much. Till next time, have fun.